Good evening, everyone. This is Pastor Omar Rivera with the 915 Pastors Roundtable. We'll just wait a little bit here for some people to log in. And uh, I'm kind of doing uh, Facebook Live also at the same time. And so I just wanted people to, to give a chance for people to join us. Uh, today, uh, we'll be going through Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And we'll be going from verse 9 to 16. Uh, hopefully, we can get through it today. Um, and you know what? We only got like about two more chapters, chapters five and chapter six of the book of Ephesians, and then we'll be done with it. Um, I, I, it has been a really great opportunity to, to go through the, the book of Ephesians. I really love the book of Ephesians, um, and I think um, it's, a, it's a good uh, Bible study, and I think, uh, I hope that you all appreciate it. We're here in El Paso, Texas, and the weather is getting cooler outside. We've been having a uh, some wind storms. Yesterday was a really bad day. We had a lot of wind, and today we had some wind, but the temperature is dropping. We are now going down into like the 50s. So, from 90s and 99 to 50s, you know, it's you know the winter is coming. Thank God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, let's let's uh, start out with the word of prayer. Uh, okay. All right, Father God, we just come before you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for being our provider. Thank you for being the one who guides us and leads us every day through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray that uh, you will clear everyone's mind and heart, Father God, and prepare them for the word for the day. We thank you in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I, I, think, um, uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, people not knowing that I'm on today, so... so um, so that's why I think that uh, it's kind of like, well, where is he? He hasn't been on last Thursday. And so today I'm on. And so here we are. Uh, so let's, let's get to the reading, okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And a lot of people uh, say that um, he, uh, he, ascended into he descended into hell. So what this is actually saying is Paul's reason that, um, that Christ <clears throat> ascent implies a previous descent. So the phrase lower earthly regions represents the farthest extreme from the heights of heaven. Paul may have been thinking of Christ's descent into hell and freeing the captives there, uh, but uh, for a lengthy discussion, uh, we can say that more likely these lower regions refer to the earth. See, he descended from heaven to earth, and then he Ascended after he uh, left the disciples after being them, with them for some time. <clears throat> More likely, the this is what happened: that the son came in his incarnation. The captives uh, then would be either Satan and his hosts, or the saints who were taken captive or called. A reference to the election, right? We are called. The same Christ who descended is the very one who ascended as a result of his descent and ascent. Nothing is hidden from him. All things are subject to him. No realm in earth and heaven is beyond his control. That he ascended means that he left the earth 
and involvement in it, but rather than he completely filled all things, that Christ will fill the whole universe refers to his power and control over all his creation. Christ is Lord of the whole universe, past, present, and future, and he fills all things with himself as their sovereign head. Yet he fills the church, his body, with the blessings of his spirit, grace, and gifts. So see... <clears throat> when he descended from heaven, he descended here on earth. He was born of a virgin, and he was he grew as a young child and grew into adulthood, and then he started his ministry and began to preach here on earth. That was his descent. A lot of people take this verse into uh, into saying that he went into hell uh, when he died for three days and preached to the saints there. And I think uh, this here talks about about that uh, the earthly lower regions may be the earth itself, the grave, Hades. Many believe Hades is the resting place of souls between death and resurrection. However, we understand it. Christ is Lord of the whole universe, past, present, and future. There's nothing, no one is hidden from, there's nothing hidden from him. The Lord of all came to earth, faced to rescue the people. No one is beyond his reach. So even the dead, even Satan, even his demons, his demonic forces, all listen to him. All uh, uh, come to, to him. And I believe that that's some. And that's, he is Lord over all. Can you imagine that? Even those who are sinners, he, he is Lord over over all that's that's a great saying lord over all he's a lord over my life is he the lord over your life i pray that he is and i believe that when he arose from the grave and he left and he reascended to heaven that he took a host of people with him he took those who believed in him and those who were recently died in there you know talking about death I, I was listening to a minister preaching. I don't remember his name. But, you know, when it says that Jesus was the firstborn of the dead, he's the only one uh, that is living after ro rising from the dead. Everyone else that rose from the dead, that he helped raise from the dead, like Lazarus and the young girl, 14 years old, and... Uh, all these people, they all died again. And so they they are waiting. We're waiting to be with him, to be with the Father in his glorious kingdom. And I think that we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. In the book of Revelations, it talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ and how it is revealed to every human being. John uh, the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation to reveal the coming of Jesus Christ to the wedding to pick up his bride and to take them to take them home. I would like to be part of that bride. I pray that we all are. I pray that we have a way of seeking Christ and being involved in in the church and being involved in ministry and being involved in reaching out the lost.
Jesus came, he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. And the angels at the at the end at the end of the book, at the end of the, the gospel, the two angels said, Hey, what are you staring at? What are you looking at? Just remember that the same way he departed is the same way he is coming. And in and in Revelations, every it says every eye will see it. Every eye. Every eye will see his return. Amen. That is going to be a glorious day. Imagine the Son of God coming, returning to, to the earth. The trumpets blow so loud that it wakes everyone up. Those who are sleeping in their homes, in their comfortable beds. The trumpet blows and even the dead come through the graves. The trumpet blow and people who have daylight will will see the coming of Christ in the clouds with his angels. Amen. That's going to be a glorious day. A glorious day. Let's continue reading in verse 11. It was he who gave some to the apostles, some to prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, he, he gave gifts. He gave gifts. He gave gifts so that some would be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And these are the people who are going to prepare the church. These are the, the ones who have been called for the ministry. These are those who are being called to, to be in the, in the teaching of God's word. In this context, these gifts are actually people who have been called to special functions in the church. Not all people have the gift. For Paul was clear to explain some would be gifted in one area and some in another. The list given here is by no means complete for other types of gifts. You can see Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and Corinthians 12. In the Greek, all people listed are direct objects of gave, indicating that God gave these people to the church as gifts. The offices listed here focuses mainly on those who proclaim the gospel and teach the truth. And that's what pastors and ministers and preachers and teachers and and uh, evangelists and and, and uh, prophets and all these people have a job, and their job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that and that also entails them to study. They they have to be students of the Bible. They have to be students. You just cannot. Uh, you just cannot be. Uh, just open the Bible and just read. You, you have to study. You have to read. You have to let the Holy Spirit reveal the Word of God to you. And there's, there's, there's other resources like commentaries and dictionaries and concordances, things like that to help you in your studies. And I pray that, uh, that there's teachers and preachers and evangelists and prophets and, and lay persons and deacons and, and people like that who are actually studying the Word and not just uh, 
coming up out of nowhere and just giving out of their own words and their own knowledge because that's false teaching. Be careful. We have to teach directly from the scriptures. We have to relate with God and give Him the opportunity to show Himself in us and the opportunity to reveal His Word to us and to let it, even to let it convict us, if so may be, because we have to, we're all not perfect. We're all sinners. Amen. We, but by the grace of God, we've been, we've been saved. We've been healed. We've been restored. We've been reconciled to God the Father because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Amen. So, God also gave uh, these people, also laborers of the church, special gifts in ministering God's message to His people. At times, they would foretell the future, which we know as today as prophets. But more often, their job was to exhort, encourage, and strengthen God's people. We have people like that today who would like to encourage the church. Uh, we have a gentleman that, that comes from Albuquerque, uh, he helped ordain me and, and uh, a great brother. And every time he comes to our church, he gives words of encouragement to exhort God's power and will over us and, and to to ignite a fire in us. And sometimes as a church, we, you know, people become stagnant and sometimes people need a, a boost and a word of encouragement that, that, uh, that God gives them to preach to us and to tell us, hey, you know, wake up, church. I think... I think in these days that we see what's been going on here with COVID and uh, all these protests and uh, uh, defunding police and uh, groups who are causing lots of problems in in other states, you know, like in uh, Washington and, and uh, uh, North California and things like that. These these uh, Antifa's and uh, these groups are like a disease. They're, they are causing segregation between the people. And you know, I, I, I was thinking the other day about how large our country is and how many people we have in it. And these people are just a very small percentage of what this country is about. And I think that we need to stop giving these Marxist or fascist groups any attention on the, on the news media that's what they seek they seek attention and uh, if you stop giving them attention then these things that they do or, or try to entice people to fight with them or try to cause riots that, that will die out people have to go back to their normal lives people have to get back to work go back to school and get educated People need to start making money instead of starting instead of living off the government. Now I, I know there's people that that need help, they need support. I'm not talking about those people. I'm pretty sure there's young ladies that with children and uh, the father is absent, and I, I'm sure there's women who've been unemployed or because they're disabled. But I know there's people who just because of this COVID uh, pandemic have received income from the government and because they're receiving this income they don't want to work they don't want to get out of the house they're barely making more money than they are sitting at, than they were working by just sitting in the house sitting in the apartment I think that's kind of sad that our government continues to feed people 
until what happens the day when the money runs out and you have to go back to work. I just believe that people need to go back to work. People need to put back into the economy and start serving. There's so many jobs out there. I've been going to different restaurants and different stores. There's signs everywhere saying need help, cashier, part-time, full-time, waitresses, waiters, uh, Lowe's, uh, Home Depot. There's jobs. There's jobs out there, people. You need to think about your future as far as receiving Social Security when you really are disabled or you're really out there and need funds when you're about 70 years old, 69 or 67 years old, when you need to really count on the government to help you out. That's my uh, spiel on that. Let's get off that little uh, stool there. Evangelists are traveling ministers similar to ministries, missionaries of today. They went to non-Christian people and proclaimed the gospel to them, being, often being the first to start a church in a particular area. <clears throat> Apostles and prophets are those who, uh, who have the foundation of Christ's temple. Apostles include 11 when Jesus called without Judas, plus others who are called apostles, such as Paul himself. Matthias and Barnabas, Jesus' brother James, and so many others. It seems that the qualification for being an apostle were to have seen the risen Christ, to have been out, to have been sent out by him to preach the gospel, and to be working on behalf of the kingdom, building its foundation. Paul also notes the signs, wonders, and miracles as marks of a true apostle. So it has to be that one has to see the Lord Jesus Christ, and been sent out by him to go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. In verse 12, um, it talks about that these people who were selected and called for these ministries were called to help uh, the work of the ministry for the building of the body of Christ. And sometimes we, we, we kind of listen to some of our TV evangelists and things like that, and you know, wondering how they, they, uh, if, if their message is, you know, has any faults or errors, you know, not every preacher is perfect, and not every preacher is is uh, is really preaching the God's word. We gotta be careful of TV evangelists. We gotta be careful of huge churches. They all have their ministry, and they all have their reward, and um. I know a very wise man told me never to judge them. But you know what? We need to be weary about how we are cared for spiritually. Because sometimes we can be in the midst of a huge church and not be really directly guided by a shepherd. We're just part of a huge flock and everybody is going still in different directions and no one is really following the true uh a, a true teaching or a true shepherd because sometimes the shepherd is overwhelmed by the numbers of people and he cannot be there for every single one of them so he has to have assistant shepherds to help maintain the flock and I think I, I really like small churches small community churches you know I'm not talking about you know I'm talking about maybe like about 150 200 people you know you get to a shepherd gets to know those people and ministers to them and gets to know them by name you know not just uh, uh, faces out in the audience thousands of people 
and you don't even know their name. I believe that we get to know people on a more personal relate and have a more personal relationship with them, just like we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's that one-on-one relationship, Amen. Amen. It builds up the the body of Christ. Amen. In verse 13, it says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The word until indicates that the, pro- that the process described in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 12, must continue until a certain end is achieved, when all believers come to arrive at attain unity. While unity of the Spirit must be maintained, unity in our faith must be attained. And unity of faith means a unity of, of belief in Christ Himself. And this belief relates in, intrinsically to our knowledge of Him. The goal includes making a united effort to live out and proclaim the faith. That's a great statement right there. The goal includes making a united effort to live out and proclaim this faith. We need to be proclaiming the faith. We need to be examples of Jesus Christ. We need to be united as one church, one body. We have too many different bodies of churches all around our cities and community. But then when it comes to certain topics of politics or local government, the church can't even unite on that. Because a lot of times churches have their own agenda because they put their own personal beliefs into their agenda instead of putting what God says on the agenda. There's things that we know that as ministers that we should not be involved with in certain types of things in politics. And there's certain things that we shouldn't be preaching about from the pulpit. There's there's uh, groups out in our world who are worldly, and yet there are pastors who support them. There are pastors who stand by their side or under, or give, give an understanding to their plight or their agenda. I don't just talk about everyone. Not everyone is on that platform, but there may be few. And I believe that God calls us to be accountable to every person that we preach from our pulpit, even those on Facebook and even those on like my podcast. We have to be, as ministers, careful of what we say and how we support certain political agendas or uh, domestic uh, uh, terrorism or groups or fascist or Marxist groups. We need to be careful. We can't be supporting people because of their ideologies and, and because of their agendas. We have to be careful of how we uh, share these uh, these topics with our congregation. When we, we tread lightly on it in, in certain circles, and we need to be careful that that we are not overstepping our bounds, and that we 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 confer with the scriptures on everything that we talk about. And we got to make sure that we, as as uh, as ministers, as pastors, as evangelists and prophets, that the words that we speak come right directly from the Word of God. If it's not in there, then man, maybe we shouldn't be preaching about it or talking about it from our pulpit. Be careful. 
Be careful. We need to be we need to be united in the faith. Putting our differences as human beings aside and putting Christ on the platform and putting Jesus and his gospel to the test. Putting his message of love and unity be careful of what we say and talk about things from the pulpit because we are accountable. We are accountable. And we have to make sure that the knowledge that we have about certain, about scriptures and things like that are shared so that people may know what is going on in our churches that we that we teach the gospel that we learn that we that we share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can learn and grow spiritually and we can give the pros and cons of things out there in the world that's happening because we can't be blind to what's going on but at the same time we shouldn't be supporting these groups of people who cause division who cause animosity between groups of people and races and not even races there's only one human race but it causes a division between different uh, ethnic groups blaming each other when the only need to do is look in the mirror and say hey what have you done today to share Jesus what's your platform pastor minister evangelist prophet what's your platform be careful. Verse 14 says, We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitfulness. Because believers are called to maturity in the faith, they must no longer be children or like helpless infants. Christ requires childlike faith, referring to trust and accept. This verse, however, preaches children who are easily led astray. Believers should avoid this error. People who are children in the faith and knowledge and knowledge must grow up and mature. And that's why we have today a lot of a lot of people leaving church because they're not being dis discipled. They're not being ministered to. They're not being fed. They give their life to Christ and next thing you know they're, they're walking in another direction. Or oh, Satan comes and, and throws them around to and fro because they're, they're still immature and they have no way of being strong in the faith. They have no way of protecting themselves and don't know how to use the armor of God that Christ gave us. That explains in chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. We don't know how to wield a sword which is the word of God. We don't know how to minister to people, to maintain them in our churches, to, to keep them connected. We have to be connected with people. We have to be connected with brothers and sisters, and we have to be united so that we can grow in the faith, so that we can become mature in the Lord. Today in our churches, we have people who don't want to come back because of COVID and they kind of find themselves real comfortable at home. And you know, why, why go to church when I could see it on Facebook Live? Why go to church when I could zoom in? You know, but the scripture says that we should be united together, worship together. That it is good for the body of Christ to come together 
so we can pray for one another and help each other and encourage each other, each other and be able to uh, teach them how to grow in the Lord. Sitting at home, you won't probably even crack open the Bible. You'll just listen and read it on the, the tube. And you'll, you'll never open your Bible. Amen. Immature believers are like children. They are unable to discern trickery or craftiness, craftiness, and thus will be knocked about with very various teachings and contrary to God's word. False teachers work like cheating gamblers who load the dice in order to trick people. Uncritical acceptance of new teachings will keep their minds as a such turmoil as a stormy seed. Indeed, false teaching was a major problem in the early church. Believers must be growing toward maturity and true faith. Only then will they be able to discern false doctrines. And that's why people leave church. They go to other churches and they think it's better over there. Let me know if you find a perfect church like people say. If you find a perfect church, let me know. I don't want to go there because that's a lie. There's no perfect church. We aspire to be a good church. We aspire to be a church that loves and that has unity. We aspire to be a church that, that gives and helps the widows and orphans. We aspire to be a church that supports missions. In my church, LifeGate Church, here in El Paso, Texas, we, we support missionaries and, and help the widows and orphans. And, and we, we go out and help out the refugees. And, and we do a lot of ministries. We have men and women Bible studies and youth groups and children's church. Just like any other church. And we're trying to teach our people that they need to grow in the Lord. They need to grow and mature. And that's why our pastor continuously preaches from the, the Bible and strongly tries to convict our, our members and our congregation to, to see their faults, to see their sin, and to repent from them, to turn away from where they have been walking because of their immaturity. They have been tossed to and fro, and the enemy is taking advantage of that. There's people who claim to be Christians, but you're still struggling with everyday worldly desires and fleshly desires and things that the world presents to them. No one's perfect, but we can try to be and try to aspire to be Christ-like and be Christ-minded. Amen? Amen. Well, folks, that's my time for today. It's been a, a great uh, 30 minutes and I just want to uh, tell you how happy I am to get on here again and and I just pray that each one of you would, would continue to support this ministry uh, on Facebook or on uh, podcast and uh, let's close out in a word of prayer Amen Father God we just come before you we thank you for all that you do for us Father we thank you for this word for today Father God we pray Father that we as young believers, that we continue to grow in the faith, Father, so that we become stronger together in the unity of Christ. Father, we pray that you continue to love us and that we can share that same love with others around us. We pray, Father, that people will continue to come back to church. For the time of the pandemic is, is over and we need to, to get back on the, in, in our churches. 
We need to continue to worship and praise you. We need to continue to be shepherded by the shepherd of our church. We need we need to be able to be free from being locked up in our homes. Father, we thank you because you have done such great things in everyone's life. And Father, I pray that everyone that hears the, the sound of my voice, Father God, would open their hearts and continue and, and, and to open their minds, Father God, to receive your word, to receive your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for all you're doing. And in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me. And um, I pray that you enjoyed this time. Um, and again, my name is Omar, Pastor Omar Rivera with the 915 Pastors Roundtable. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to LifeGate Church here on 10555 Edgemere in El Paso, Texas. Also to Howard Payne University, uh, a great school. People need to attend, get some education, business, accounting, law enforcement, ministry, Bible studies. They have it. Thank you very much. God bless you. And remember, God is always on your side.